Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Hi everyone, how are we doing today? I'm currently recording in Vermont. We are on our little summer getaway starting in Vermont, headed to Pound Ridge tomorrow, which I just learned is technically Westchester County, and then off to the Hamptons for who knows how long. So it's been so unbelievable already, just like laying by the river. This morning I did a water aerobics with a bunch of 80-year-olds. I took a tennis lesson. Sunny's just been like wandering around in nature, finding tadpoles, making new friends, wandering around farms, walking Gracie, my mother-in-law's dog, just like really wholesome, fun summer vibes. So that's why I love coming here. I love East Coast summers. But I had a really great conversation with this amazing dietitian last week who I was really inspired by. I mean, we all know how important what we eat is, how it affects every part of our being. And having these conversations really brings it to the forefront of my mind and reminds me to make sure that I am giving myself what it really needs. Like I'm in a building muscle phase right now. I'm, I feel like I have a few pounds to pack on and I want to eat more, but I want to eat right. I want to gain weight in the right ways. So I was really excited to talk to this dietitian, Lisa Motzkabis. She is a registered dietitian and she's the CEO of the New York Nutrition Group which is an extensive group nutrition practice. And she's the author of The Core 3 Healthy Eating Plan, which is a personalized science-based guide to finding your healthiest, happiest weight. She received a BS in nutrition from Syracuse University and then went on to complete an intensive dietetic internship at New York Presbyterian Hospital. Since then, she has accumulated over a decade of experience in private practice, providing nutrition workshops and working with the media in 
numerous ways. We talked about the current craze of Ozempic and the real risks behind it. I know that's obviously a pop culture phenomenon right now, but as a diet neutral dietitian, she believes that weight loss diets can be helpful for some and harmful for others. So as a member of the expert medical board of Eat This, Not That, her approach is not diet centered. It's actually client centered, which meant a lot to me. I always believe that doctors should be approaching medicine with their clients specifically for that individual. So we talked about social media pressures to look a certain way, how weight and nutrition affects fertility, basic nutrition, tips for getting our kids to eat more, obviously the Ozempic as discussed and just so much more. So here is Lisa. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited to have you on. Likewise. I obviously am all about wellness and nutrition has been something that I, uh, I don't want to say like struggle with, but I Mm -hmm. definitely don't make a huge priority in my life. I'm excited to chat with you because I feel like these conversations always give me like a newfound inspiration (laughs) to take care of myself. But I feel like first, let's just get into your background and like how you got into nutrition. I don't know if I chose the career or the career chose me. It always felt like a natural fit. And I think that the one thing I like to mention, because I believe it's helpful for people out there to know, Mm -hmm. is that it wasn't always this thing that I looked at in such a healthy way. It started Mm -hmm. for me, I was very active when I was young, and then I stopped playing soccer. And I was always known as the skinny little girl and, you know, with the six pack and I don't know, maybe I'm giving myself too much credit, but it was, (laughs) it had almost become this like identity. And then I stopped playing soccer and I kept eating the way I was eating because I didn't have to worry about it. And I started noticing that things were getting a little softer. My clothes mm-hmm. were getting more snug. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of went through a little bit of a, of a, this might be dramatic, but identity crisis in a way where it's like, oh no, you know, this, is it my body or are people going to be looking at me differently, thinking differently? And so that propelled a lot of what started as an interest in nutrition and what I'm eating and Mm -hmm. exercising. I definitely grew up in a house where my mother was very into it. So then from there, I can definitely say some body image issues took over. Mm -hmm. And I think I worried about food too much, thought about it too much. There was too much noise. Was, did I ever have an eating disorder? Was I ever diagnosed with the one? No, it was hundred percent disordered. And my body image issues were bad. And to this day, I think body image is always a work in progress. Nobody is more of a critic for our body than we are. We are our right. own biggest critics. So then when I was applying to college, I was thinking about what I wanted to do. And it was really between two different types of careers. And I got into a really good program for nutrition. And from there, I just fell in love with it more. The ability to help people feel better, whatever that means for them, seemed so rewarding and it continues to be so rewarding. So now, like in terms of diet, what what are your views on diet culture? Yes. So I consider myself and call myself diet neutral. I don't mm-hmm. center my approach and my philosophy around the, the diet. Mm-hmm. I think there's I've set I've centered around the client and the patient, but I I certainly believe 
there are people that benefit from dieting, that benefit from diets in general. It depends on the diet. It depends on how they're going about it. And there are absolutely people that should not be anywhere near it, that even the idea of a diet can be so stressful on them mentally and physically mm-hmm. that it only leads to a negative place. Like there's just no coming back. Looking at food as good and bad, it normalizes in a lot of ways, disordered eating. I mean, it really makes it normal to be restrictive, to feel guilty, to exercise more the next day because you ate an extra bite of dessert the night before you had dessert at all. And there's just no winning with that. So that leads me to consistency, right? What are some ways that we can be consistent around these habits without being so overwhelmed by this like all-encompassing diet or nutrition plan or, you know what I mean? Yes. I I will tell you one thing that I think makes such a big difference. Yes. The all or nothing mindset. So many people have this all or nothing with food. Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. all in, I'm doing the things, I'm meal prepping, I'm going to the gym, I'm food journaling, I'm meeting with my dietitian and my personal trainer. And then it's like the moment something happens, which is inevitable, but like you have a craving, you're getting your period, you go on vacation, it's a holiday. You're human. (laughs) You just are being a human being. Exactly. Yeah. You're just being a human. It, (laughs) It unravels and you're like, I already, I already screwed up. I might as well keep going. And now eat all these things, or you just feel bad about yourself in general. But when we start to be more realistic and and compassionate and forgiving and stop judging ourselves, like stop with the self-judgment, it opens up so much space for us to feel like peace. Like I'm doing that. I'm being health as healthy as I can. And and that consistency happens naturally. Right, right. So once we're kind of in that mindset and we're present, we know that we want to be on this path, but we're not being hard on ourselves. What are like some basic ways that we can become like more autonomous and intuitive eaters, like more generally speaking? Yes. So I would say, you know, we have to stop labeling food as good and bad. Just recognize there are no good and bad, but on a, on a more specific level, I say that a few things you can do to just be eat specifically as it comes to diet and eating healthy is yes. focus on four big pillars, four major pillars, let's call it. Okay. Making sure you're eating enough, that you're not mm-hmm. skipping meals, that you're not eating too little, because generally when we feel like we eat too much or we feel mm-hmm. out of control or our cravings are out of control or they're like potentially even a binge episode, it's because we weren't eating enough. Okay. Make sure that you're getting a balance of carbs, proteins, and fats, which mm-hmm. I outline a lot in my book, The Core Three Healthy Eating Plan. I go through in depth because people are like, what are carbs? What are, I don't know what they are. Right. So right. I outline it. I go through it really deeply. Make sure we have some variety is the third step. So the variety okay. is definitely good. I wouldn't say you have to, again, have a different vegetable every day and a different fruit every day. It could look like one week you have, you know, you go grocery shopping and you try to pick a few new foods. And then like yeah. the next time you go grocery shopping, maybe try a few different. So it doesn't have to be every single day, a weekly right. or a monthly basis. Right. And then satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Satisfaction is so important. We mm-hmm. have to be content with, with, with what we're eating. We have to be asking ourselves, are we satisfied with what we're eating? Because I do see a lot of people struggle they might eat enough. They might get the balance. They might get the variety, but they're still feeling 
hungry or they're still thinking about food a lot or they're still struggling Mm. to not eat past what they feel is comfortable fullness. And a lot of that goes back to they're not really picking foods based on what they want to eat. It's what they should be eating. It's I should be eating this and I should be eating that. And that ends up being a lot of self-judgment. But that type of mentality, it makes it, again, impossible to be a more autonomous eater when we're so in our head of like what we should and shouldn't be doing. No, it's so true. It's so true. And I think about that a lot. And I think about what I should and shouldn't be doing and then don't necessarily put a plan in action. And like for me, I'm the, the kind of person that looks at food as fuel, right? Like I don't Mm -hmm. get excited by food. I'm a snacker. Like I would rather snack on small things throughout the day. And so I wonder, I'm like, what type of eater am I? And how can I like figure out some healthier ways to get me to like be excited about eating. You mentioned your book, you, the Core yeah. Healthy Eating Plan. You talk about eating archetypes. And I wonder, one, if I fit into the archetype, one of the yep. archetypes and and what those are and what they mean. <laughs> My intention with it, and just so everybody knows this is in the first part of the book, I go into what a healthy relationship with food means and how yes, to work on what that means. <laughs> developing that. And the way I was able to explain how to start working on your own relationship with food is I broke it down into these four eating archetypes, like you mentioned, so that people could understand, you know, this is mostly what I resonate with. And so therefore, these are potentially the pitfalls of why this can be unhealthy. And here are some of the solutions and the exercises that I can start to incorporate to improve how I connect with food. So I broke it down into Mm -hmm. the erratic eater, the dependent eater, the judgmental eater, and the obsessive eater. And it is possible to not fall into any of them. And it's also possible to fall in multiple, which I find more often is the case that people I identify with like two or three or all, maybe all four. And there are going to totally. be some overlaps and it's, it's, I call them distorted. I don't go as far to say disordered, even though I do believe a lot of the population has disordered eating, but it's just not totally healthy. And the goal isn't that you're ever going to be perfect again, but it's understanding like, these are the things that might affect you. These are the areas that might be problematic now or down the road. So with the erratic eater, erratic to me is, you know, somebody that often also doesn't eat when they're stressed. Some people will say, oh, I'm stressed out. And I immediately jump right for the snacks on the table or I'm in the kitchen or I'm thinking about food a lot more. Yeah, no, that's not me. I have a lot going on. I'm busy or this is on my mind. And food is just such an afterthought. There's no structure at all. Totally. It's like, I'll eat when there's food or someone tells me to eat. So, you know, obviously the danger of that and the pitfall is that you might not eat enough. You might not eat enough balance and variety. There's times where it might be a little potentially mindless. Dependent is in my mind, I envisioned the dependent eater being more of the opposite where food is a focal point where they're stress eating a little bit more. The moment they feel overwhelmed or depressed, Uh food is the main source of comfort. There's very little other coping mechanisms available in their life. And then judgmental is the person that's been 
like I call it a serial dieter, just so many diets in their life mm-hmm. on and off cycles. Mm-hmm. So every time they go on a diet, they pick up new rules of don't eat that. This is bad. Don't eat after a certain time. Make sure you have this amount of that. Make sure you're not eating these foods together or, or make sure you're eating these products. You know, so there's just all these ideas that get, again, internalized, implanted, and are really hard to get out of your head. And then it just ends up being so much noise right. around food. And then right. obsessive is like the most extreme version of that, where it's borderline. Mm-hmm. We might be looking at, we're definitely looking at disordered eating. We might be looking at an eating disorder. And I put that in the book specifically because anytime you have any book that talks about weight or healthy eating, you have to understand that there's going to be people out there that are attracted to that, that are really struggling and suffering with eating disorders. They are the low hanging fruit for a lot of these diet books. And right. so I want to make it clear that right. if that's somebody that, if this is you, then this book might, you're not, might not be ready for any type of weight loss book, higher in, level of intervention, working one-on-one with a professional, super important, Yeah, super important. Cause anything yeah. that comes in at this point can be twisted and contorted and manipulated into something that be right. Like the funnel isn't yeah. clear at exactly. this point for this exactly. information. And then yeah. it can add to yeah. fear. Yeah. Actually becomes like straight up right. fear around weight gain, around right. food, around mm-hmm. your body, around everything. So that mm-hmm. is, that mm-hmm. was really important. But I, there's certainly mm-hmm. people that can potentially fall under more than one category and you might not fall under any. And if you don't fall under any, it's possible that you also have a healthier relationship with food at this point. Again, no one has perfect relationship with food, but it's possible it's in a better place. Right. Okay. Now a quick ad break. Stitch Fix gets your family, which makes clothes shopping for kids easy. With comfy, cool styles and your kid's size and pieces starting at just $10, they do all the work so you have the time to focus on the other things on your busy mom slash dad plate. I blink and Sunny grows into the next size or two. And I'm like, what is he going to wear next? It can be like stressful to make sure he has what he needs. Starting school soon, want to make sure he always has what he needs. So no more worrying about finding clothes your picky kids will like or fitting room meltdowns. Stitch Fix solves that by having a stylish shop for the entire family. You'll save time on shopping. Plus all the try-ons are in the comfort of your own home on your own time. Just share their size, their favorite colors and styles, even what they aren't into. You know your kids best, right? With clothes starting at just $10, it's an affordable option. Get 10 items in a kid's fix keep what they like and return the rest for free. No subscription is required, so there's no commitment or risk to try Stitch Fix for your family today. Try Stitch Fix today at stitchfix.com slash withwit and get 25% off when you keep everything in your kids fix. That's stitchfix.com slash withwit for 25% off. Stitchfix.com slash withwit. That's stitchfix.com slash with wit and get 25% off when you keep everything in your kids fix. Are you struggling with acne? ClearStem skincare is revolutionary. It is anti-aging, anti-acne, and non-toxic all at the same time. It stems from research based on over eight years of San Diego Acne Clinic's clinical work. If you're struggling with acne, I highly, highly recommend their hormonal acne supplement, Mind, Body, Skin. It is the best natural alternative to Accutane. I didn't even know there was one, but Mind, Body, Skin is a revolutionary way to control acne at its source. It targets oil, digestion, detoxification, stress, PMS, and hormones at the same time. 
you'll start seeing results in just seven days. I'm obsessed with the Bounce Back No Botox Serum. Currently in my travel bag, it's an essential. The Bounce Back is a unique, powerful peptide serum that basically tells your skin to repair itself and generate new, healthy collagen. I've noticed such a difference in the brightness of my skin since I started using it. It's become part of my new nighttime skincare routine. You can use it during the day as well. And formulated by the acne guru, Danielle Gronick, Clear Stem products contain zero pore clogging ingredients and combine all three categories of skincare. Anti-aging meets anti-acne meets clean beauty. So go to clearstemskincare.com and use code WITHWIT for 15% off your order. That's clearstemskincare.com code WITHWIT for 15% off. And if you haven't listened to my podcast episode with the Clearstem founders, you really must. You'll learn amazing tips on how to prevent acne and anti-aging all at once. So keeping it moisturized while also drying out the acne. Once you've calmed it down, I've learned so many tidbits from them that I've never heard before. So highly, highly recommend it. I used to care so much about portraying a perfect life and acting like everything was okay when really things were far from it. I was secretly battling anxiety, depression, and an eating disorder. So it was a lot. I am Victoria Garrick, former Division I athlete, mental health advocate, and host of RealPod. Every Wednesday, I sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, and more to talk about the inner thoughts and feelings that we're all struggling with. So leave the filters and facetunes at the door and join me on RealPod. All right, back to the conversation. So, I mean, you know, let's say no one has like a perfect healthy relationship with food, but what do you feel like are some steps to creating a better one? Yeah. So I would say it really is important to do that self-reflection. Of course, I I've always recommend meeting with a dietitian one-on-one because they can really help to unpack and uncover some, some issues or some sources of stress when it comes to eating and really Mm -hmm. work on reframing your thoughts around food and how you feed yourself and the concept of how much your body needs and what healthy eating looks like. I'm a huge advocate of journaling. I love it. I know not everybody likes it. Some people just won't do it. I have patients that love it and live by it and it's a great tool and others that are we just can't, it's just not there. So we just push it aside, move on. We'll find something else. It's impossible, impossible to know every single thing we put in our body. We have too many, too many other things on our plate, like pun Mm -hmm. intended, but we have so much going on in our lives that the, the journaling is such a great tool for awareness and mindfulness. And there's tons of apps now where you could even take pictures and upload it. So it makes it really simple to do that. And obviously when you have a professional working with you, there might be more incentive to do them and then go over it one-on-one with somebody in real time because it makes right. it more valuable. So fertility, because yes. like, this is something for me, I've, you know, struggled with infertility, like got pregnant with Sunny super easy and then had multiple miscarriages after People were constantly telling me on my social media that I needed to gain weight in order to, yeah, in order to like help my chances of getting pregnant. 
I understand the opinion. I probably should gain a little bit of weight just for my health in general. But let's talk about like nutrition and fertility. Like can nutrition actually affect fertility? And I guess that's a separate conversation than like body mass index and fertility. But let's maybe let's talk about both. Yeah. And I and I also want to say separately too, you know, it's hard and I so appreciate you sharing that because I think it's like, look, it's for some reason okay to tell people that they should gain weight, but like if it was the opposite, like you should lose weight, you know, know. it's not okay. That would be fine. Exactly. But it's literally the exact same thing. All you need to do is do it. That's one of the things there's a lot of people and thankfully you take it really well and stride, but I have a ton of patients that so triggered by that. And there's people out there with eating disorders that, you know, you telling them to gain weight and to eat a hamburger is like, you know, telling somebody with an alcohol addiction to like, just stop, just put the drink down. It's really, right. And especially when they're trying to get pregnant, like that's, then there's a whole other level of responsibility. So much, it's so much more complicated than anyone can imagine. So yeah, basically with the weight, I can say that if you were to do research and look up online, there's going to be studies and blah, 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 like associated with BMI. And a lot of times you'll hear doctors say, and I, and I partially agree with this. And I like this because mm-hmm. we often hear again, the opposite, you should lose weight if you want to get pregnant. And I still have patients to this day coming right. into my office, sometimes in mm-hmm. tears. My doctor told me I'm not going to get pregnant unless I lose 30 pounds. And I just call wow. bullshit. Number one because I can name about 3,000 people. I'm just kidding. I'm exaggerating. But a lot of people that are (laughs) clinically underweight, clinically overweight, obese, that have beautiful babies and pregnant and are nothing to do with their weight at all. And some women 10 pounds and some that gain 100 pounds during their pregnancy and everything is healthy and good. It's what your body is used to and what's natural for your body. And sure, if the weight is starting to affect your menstrual cycle where you're noticing, and that happens, that you get might develop uh-huh. hypothalamic menorrhea, where the being having uh-huh. too little body fat actually can suppress hormones that are necessary to regulate menstrual cycles. And that's a whole different story. Yeah, that never okay. happened to me. Okay. But yeah. So uh-huh. I would say if it, uh-huh. that didn't happen to you, it doesn't mean everything is copacetic, but that's a big indication that it's right. that it, this might be your body saying, right. I'm good here. I'm happy here. I don't need just because the BMI right. chart, which was, by the way, created hundreds of years ago by a mathematician. Mm -hmm. So that just says it all like what it's so arbitrary means nothing. But I would, I would say that it depends on the person. And what's most important is your lifestyle. If you're, you are skipping a lot of meals, not eating enough, not getting enough of Mm -hmm, those mm -hmm. important core macros, carb, protein, and fats. If you're you know, noticing that you're over-exercising, under-exercising, if you're noticing that you, you know, have a very poor relationship with food where there's a lot of stress eating or... So if that's happening, it's not about how much you weigh as much as what you're doing. And it's not even as much about what you're eating. I'll take it a step further. It's about why. Why are you eating that? Why are you exercising right now? Why are you not doing that? It's about the why. Let's go a little deeper because you could say I'm eating a salad at lunch because it looked delicious. I was sat, I was craving it. It was the 
most appealing thing on the menu. Or you could be like, I'm eating a salad because it's safe. And I had a bagel this morning and I'm scared that I ate too many carbs and calories. And so now I'm going to be restrictive because that type of stress is a type of stress on the body that can throw us off in a lot of ways. But I would, I would definitely say eating at relatively consistent times. I know we talked, we were talking about the consistency before. I do think that can Mm -hmm, help mm -hmm. with hormones specifically, making sure you're getting a balance Mm -hmm. of foods, making sure you're eating enough is so much more important than the numbers on the scale, on the BMI chart. Maybe I would look at somebody's body fat percentage, mm-hmm. but way I would value that way over somebody's total poundage on the scale. That to me is right. way more right. information. And like total physical and total health. physical yeah. health, exactly. Yeah. So are there certain things that though, that if someone is trying to get pregnant, that they should be eating or focusing on in terms of nutrition? For sure. So we always, we always look at the bigger picture first, which like I said, is a balanced diet, eating at consistent times. I do think that's really important. Mm -hmm. Then we can Mm -hmm. start to look, get more, more granular and say that we want to be focused on eating more antioxidant rich foods in our diet. Antioxidants can be really good for egg quality, which can help with fertility. And, you know, I wouldn't say like it's going to prevent miscarriages, but it could potentially help with egg quality. Of course. And we want to, you know, certain key nutrients for sure is folate, even nutrients that help support our thyroid because our thyroid has such a big role in hormones and fertility and of course, metabolism and weight. So iodine, selenium, zinc, so you can get iodine and a lot of sea vegetables and seafood and using iodized salts. Selenium, you have one Brazil nut a day. That's it. That's all you need. In fact, oh, you don't yes. have too much more because you can get too much selenium. Yes. Uh, someone told me that and yep. I got a whole bag of Brazil nuts and there I totally forgot to be doing that. Oh it's my God. Good. Thank yeah. you. No, of course. And, yes. and, I, and thyroid, yes. you know, for sure. I mean, I think people, especially when it comes to weight loss, they're always so quick to be like, is it my thyroid? And Sometimes it is right. conventional <laughs> blood work will show, say everything's normal. We did your TSH, you're fine. But then we look at the T3 and the T4 and, you know, a functional medicine doctor might say, let's medicate you. So if you suspect that, definitely look into that. But even if everything looks normal, you know, we still want to make sure that we're keeping everything normal. So zinc and selenium right. help convert T4 to T3, which is really important in our body. And then we folate is really important to prevent neural tube defects during pregnancy, but also studies show it can help with fertility as well. Omega-3, super important. Most of us don't get enough. That's the essential fatty acid, mostly found in fatty fish, like STASH, I call it. It's a little acronym mm-hmm. for salmon, tuna, anchovies, sardines, and herring. So obviously a lot of I, people aren't yeah. going to be running, don't want to eat most of that. But you could take, you know, mm-hmm. if you like salmon and tuna, great. If not, you can get algae oil. It's a supplement. If you're vegan, vegetarian, or just don't like fish, So that's really important. And then maybe for somebody that's really been trying or wants to do the most, just wants to like, let me cover every angle. I want to do everything I possibly can. Yes. Then maybe we look at like CoQ10 supplements and Mm -hmm. glutathione, Mm -hmm. which is a really, really powerful antioxidant as well. And on top of taking a prenatal, of course. So definitely always want to take a prenatal if you're even thinking of trying to get pregnant in the next like six months. And if you're on birth control pill too, sometimes it's good to start taking the prenatal if you think you'll be stopping and will want to conceive in the near future because birth control pills can be depleting for some people. 
Yes. Yes. Okay. Quick plug for Parallel, the conceive support packs. Yes. That Parallel is just this company I work with that has like great oh. supplements for oh, different amazing. phases of conception. Cool. Yeah. So you can, you can take them for concept when you're trying to conceive and then a first trimester, second trimester. So they like vary based on what yes. your body needs. And maybe even like PCOS patients but, too who have very <clears throat> different needs. Yes. Too. They have yep. that as well. Yes, exactly. So interesting. So then let's get on to to parenting yeah. because like food struggles with parenting is obviously a yeah. thing. Like I have a five-year-old and he is very, very picky and he watches me and I'm very picky too. And so that's not really healthy. And I just wonder like, what are some ways that we can protect our children from like our children to pick up on what we do, but that it's okay. We're nobody's perfect. And I don't think it's Mm -hmm. also healthy for anybody. If we walk around worrying about every single thing we do in front of our kids, like that's not going to solve anything, but yes, they will pick up. Mostly they'll pick up. I think I believe on how we speak about ourselves, what we say, what we say, like, Oh, why did I eat that? Or look, I'm so fat. Or I can't believe I did this. Or that's so bad for you. Don't eat that. So just being really careful. And I, I love just the saying of coming from a place of yes, come from a place of yes with your kids when it comes to food. It's not, no, you can't have that. It's yes. You could have that candy at night, you know, if they ask you to have for candy at nine o'clock in the morning, but we're going to have that later. We're going to have that later. It's breakfast now. So let's sit down. Let's have our breakfast. Let's eat this. And then later, and then put your foot down. You know, there might be a tantrum right after that. I have actually twin five-year-old boys too. So we're on the exact same page and one is super picky and the other one (sighs) is not. And so I'm actually a testament to show that what you eat is important when you're pregnant, but it doesn't just determine all because they, I, in my stomach at the exact same time, one eats everything and the other one eats nothing, like literally three foods. So fascinating for people. So come from a place of yes, try not to say no, you know, in terms of that, because I, for sure, the more we take foods away, we hide foods, we make it this like forbidden fruit, the more they're going to seek it out. And we all know, especially if you have kids who are getting a little older, you know, as they get older, we're not around them all the time. They are not under our care. Even now in school, my kids come home with all kinds of snacks and stuff that they give out or their friends bring them or whatever. So we cannot stop. We can't, don't be too controlling, I think is so important. Instead, teach them about all foods can fit, that there are, you know, you're always foods and you're sometimes foods. I wouldn't say there, there's never a never food mm-hmm. unless it's like food that fell in the middle of, you know, Fifth Avenue and five cars That's rolled over it. That's a good way yeah. of putting yeah. it though. Yeah. Always food and sometimes, and sometimes food. food. That's it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you can, yeah. you can decide what comes in the house, but let your kids decide how much. That's very important. Never right. say like, okay, I think you're done or make sure you eat the rest of your plate or you're not going to leave the table or you can't have dessert. And that's hard. It's so hard not to be like, just have one more bite of broccoli and then you can have the chocolate. And it's okay, you know? Well, yeah, so that's our issue right now. So like, he doesn't want to eat anything for dinner and then he wants dessert and that's not okay. So it's like, he has to, he will say, well, okay, well then how many bites? And then we'll like give him an amount of bites. and, And that's where we've gotten now because I don't, like if he doesn't have the des- like a little bit of dessert or something, then he like he won't stop asking for it. So it's yeah, yeah. we're at that place I think right now. That in this specific situation, what might 
help is saying, okay, you don't want to eat what's on the plate. And you, and you, you know, there are some people that believe you should serve what one thing for the whole family and that's it. That's what's for dinner. We're not a short order cook yep. and like they yep. need to get used to it. Yeah. But I'm a little bit more lenient with that, I will say. And this doesn't mean it's the right thing to do, but I might say, okay, well, you have then here are some options. Pick one thing that you're going to eat. And, you know, what do you, because I know you're hungry. I know you didn't eat dinner. So pick one thing that yeah. you're going to eat. And then once we eat that, well, you know, we could have the dessert. Like that's something that I would say is I would give them options, yeah. but like, you know, yeah. fruit, yogurt, carrots and hummus, hard-boiled egg, something that, you know, is giving, giving them a little bit of nutritional value. And that's what I might do. But I think it's just like, again, you also know your kid the best. And you might say that'll never work. I really yeah. believe it's important to create some boundaries with it. And that's just like beyond food, right? Like if we if we don't teach our kids a little bit about like discipline and, you know, to be less impulsive and to not get everything they want all the time, it, that's not good yes. for that either. You know, like, so I, I think in that situation, some boundaries. Yeah, the boundaries yes. are, yeah. are important. And you put your foot down. You said that that was what was going to happen and you didn't listen and it's fine. Yep. So for you as a nutritionist, what does a day in your life look like when it comes to food? Yes. So this is a, I'm happy, so happy you asked me that because I think it's, first of all, so <laughs> more, you're probably not surprised to hear that I'm going to say, I'm not going to come out straight and answer it. I think it's so important because it's another trend we see on social media of like, here, I'm a dietitian. Yes. This is what I eat. So, and obviously, because I'm a dietitian, yes. I eat perfectly. And I like yeah. those. Yes. But it's, Ugh, it, I don't know. It's why okay. I like no. Those. So they can be great. Let me just say they could be great. They could be inspiration. I'm getting inspiration. I'm getting ideas. I love to see what other people eat. It's yeah. interesting. But there are yeah. a handful of people that are like, oh no, like, look, she only ate that much pasta. I'm going to be starving uh -huh, on that or look uh -huh, like, uh -huh. oh, what she's eating is good. And now what I'm eating is bad. There are a lot okay. of people that think that way. hundred percent. I see it firsthand. Right. So okay. like immediate, right. immediately compare, compare, compare and yeah. say like, oh, yeah. There, yeah. that's better. And as a registered dietitian, people already look at me like I'm not a human and they're like, oh, well, you're a dietitian. So you must never eat sugar and da, 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 da. I'm like, right. well, I'm still right. being with a still the same organs that you do in the same brain. I still crave the same thing. So it's like, no, there is no perfect thing. And I will say to answer that question, my diet is not perfect. There are days where I might not even eat a vegetable. Yeah. I might not even get a freaking vegetable in my day because realistically, yeah. I know that I'm going to, it's going to all balance out. I, you try your best in the course of the week. Don't look at it as like every meal has to be perfect. Don't even look at it as every day has to be perfect. It's just like, how am I mm -hmm. doing in general throughout the week, throughout mm -hmm. the month? I love quick and easy. I am definitely sometimes admittedly more of an erratic eater myself. So I'm sometimes like, I could be guilty of working through lunch. I could be guilty of not feeling so hungry when I'm stressed. Is that good? Absolutely not. Does it get me into trouble? hundred percent. There's times where I'm so hungry at night and I eat more than I'm comfortable with. And then I don't sleep well. And so I know that I, the only reason that I, it's not good is because I don't sleep as well. So I have to work on myself being more intentional, planning ahead. I love smoothies. It's just such an easy, healthy hack. There's, because again, days I won't prepare a vegetable. I won't make myself like, you know, there might be nights where my husband is away for work. So admittedly, I don't want to make dinner. I want to make dinner if my husband's like, yeah, totally. You know? I like, totally. I just want to eat Yeah. It. Like I'll make like a grilled yes. cheese. Like, yeah. Just give me something <laughs> yeah. simple. I'll just get it down. Totally. And then totally. I will, yeah. I'm a dietitian. Yeah. Of course, I believe 
wholeheartedly and I'm very passionate about the importance of getting enough nutrients and nutrient density and making sure you are eating in balance and variety. And I've seen, you know, what, how food can transform the way somebody feels and, you know, their energy and their mental health and fertility and hormone balance and just feeling more confident in themselves. So I completely believe in that. However, I just, over the past few years, I just see, you know, like you mentioned diet culture that has really taken over. And I see more people now struggling to do that because they're in their own head too much. Like they can't actually eat healthy because they have too many ideas in their head of what they should be doing and what healthy is. So they actually end up not eating healthy because they're trying too hard to like have this healthy, perfect diet. And as a result, it just, it's everything fails. This has been such a pleasure. You're so easy to chat with. Tell everybody where they can find you and hear about your nutrition group and your book. Yeah, thank you. And likewise, so you can find me, my practice company website, which is nynutritiongroup.com. We have over 22 registered dietitians. We take over 20 different health insurance plans, virtual and in-person only in New York City, but we have virtual in different states. And again, most of the time it is covered by health insurance because we believe nutrition should be a necessity. Nutrition is a necessity, not a luxury. Mm -hmm. And my Mm -hmm. book, The Core 3 Healthy Eating Plan, which is really supposed to bridge that gap between wanting to lose weight and also wanting to improve your relationship with food and your body at the same time, can be found on most major retail websites, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, and you can also get a copy on my website and I sign it. Okay, amazing. Oh my gosh, Lisa, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you too, I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'd love to hear what you think and anything more or even less you'd want to hear about. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Whitney Eve Port, my website, WhitneyPort.com, and my YouTube channel, Whitney Port. Peace in the streets. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.